Hey everyone, I'm Renee Bennett. Consider me the girl next door, having conversations that will help challenge and shape your worldview in a culture that has turned our moral compass upside down and inside out. To chat with me further, come join me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. No topics are off limits. I'm really glad you're here. Now, on to today's episode. Well, hi everyone. What a really great reception that we got to our very first parenting podcast last week, last Monday. Thank you so much to everybody that listened and that messaged me and that shared that podcast. If you could keep sharing that, that would be so good. Let all the parents that you know know about it. So last week we spoke about the number one important question, which is, who is it that you let speak into your life when it comes to parenting? And do those people have really good fruit in their lives, aka do they have kids that you want your kids to be like? So that was last week. Okay, this week, before I get started, I will start with a bit of a funny quote or joke. Mind you, last week it felt funny kind of saying it on my own and laughing by myself, <laughs> so I have to I have to imagine you guys laughing with me, but okay, here we go. Being a parent is like folding a fitted sheet. No one really knows how. And for all of us who struggle with fitting folded sheets like I do because I'm very OCD and I really want my sheets to be perfect in my cupboard, I thought that was a really good one. Good analogy. All right. I cannot believe how excited I am to share with you about today's topic. Uh, It is all about obedience and discipline today. Um, The reason I'm really excited, like, and I mean literally when I say excited, I've been thinking about this episode and mulling it over in my head literally for days. And the reason that I have been is because this principle that I'm going to share with you today has literally just on its own, just this one principle has not only shaped our parenting, Cameron's and my parenting, but has actually made my kids really who they are today. And that principle is this whole concept of first time obedience. If there's one thing that I could teach every parent out there and then teach you nothing else, it would be this one concept, first time obedience. So I want to split this podcast into two. This week, we're going to talk about why I expected first time obedience. And then next week, I want to talk about how do you achieve it? So I'm going to look at um, um, what discipline actually is, because I think we need to know what it is before we actually can properly discipline our children. Uh, When discipline should begin, like is there a particular age? I want to look at the difference between disciplined parenting as opposed to permissive parenting. I also want to look quickly at the difference between foolishness versus childishness. And then um, I'm going to give you four practical tips on what first time obedience really looks like. All right. And then a couple of thoughts at the end. So that is where we're headed today. Let's see if we can stick to 20 minutes. All right. First up, let's talk about what discipline is, because it's important to understand what your perception of it is, because how you perceive discipline really depends upon how you um, outwork discipline when it comes to your um, your children. So no doubt we all want our kids to grow up with good morals and to have a good moral heart. Um, but moral learning and to be able to achieve that having a good moral heart actually comes about because of 
moral disciplining. And I'll explain to you probably like, okay, there's disciplining, but what's moral disciplining? Um, The reason is disciplining is a process of training and learning, and it fosters self-control and moral development, and the child learns that there is a wrong and there is a right, okay? Now, the word discipline, and this is something that all of us in church world would be really familiar with, the word discipline comes from the word disciple, which means one who is a learner. And that thought alone, I think, should really help us shape the whole reason behind disciplining our children is it's not discipline as in punishments and consequences. It's discipline as in we're discipling our children. We are shaping their moral heart. So children, as you know, they're not born with self-control. We have to teach them. And so we are children's moral conscience until they reach moral maturity. So when I want you, when I, when you think of discipline, I want you to think of it as moral training. Okay. Discipline is training your child's moral heart. Discipline is not a list of rules and consequences and, and expectations and punishments. It really is about discipling and training your child's moral heart. So everything that you do, when it comes to disciplining your child, really is to do with shaping who they're going to be in the future. I cannot stress that enough. That is what gave me, I guess, the guts, the grit, the determination to discipline my children when they were younger is because I knew it wasn't just about getting them to obey my rules. It was about us shaping who they were going to be in the future. And we can't get this. This is why we can't get this wrong when they're younger. It's so important that we are very intentional and we understand the why behind the what. There is a really positive effect when we discipline our child with a moral filter. Children who are morally disciplined are content children. And I've seen this myself in all my years of parenting my own children, but even as a teacher, it is the children who are well-disciplined who are actually the most content because they've got the confidence not just to know right from wrong, but actually to know why right is right and why wrong is wrong. That's why I was saying before about we need to know the why behind the what. That's what disciplining is for. It's to teach our children not just this is right and this is wrong, but this is why this is right and this is why this is wrong. And then, of course, because we discipline them consistently, then they learn the self-control to consistently make the right decisions, okay? So that's the first little bit about um, what discipline is. Let's look about, uh, let's look at when does disciplining begin? Now, I remember when my kids were first really little, and I remember asking one of the mums that I would go to, um, you know, when should I start disciplining? What did I mean by that? I meant by that, when should I start looking for wrong behavior and correcting it? But I was asking the wrong question because remember, disciplining isn't about looking for wrong behavior and just correcting wrong behavior. Disciplining is about training and discipling your child's moral heart And that actually starts almost immediately after your child is born. So moral training and discipline should really start early in life. This is why you'll hear me talk about things such as getting your baby um, in a routine and sleeping through the night because these are basic 
disciplines. We start this foundation early because then the next stage can be built upon upon the previous stage. So if your child has not learned, for example, to obey you by staying in their bed um, when they move, say, from their cot into a big bed, if they haven't learned to stay there because you've told them to when you have asked, then how can you expect them to obey in the next stage? So it's like, you know, the whole concept of building precept upon precept. So we expect obedience at one particular stage because then we know that we'll um, get it and we build upon it in the next stage. All right, next, let's think about for a moment the opposite to a disciplined approach to parenting. Because I know some of you might think, oh my goodness, you're too strict. Why do I have to be so disciplined? But let's look uh, look at the opposite, which is a more permissive approach to parenting. So what happens is when you've got a more permissive approach, uh, so, you know, you just allow your child to behave how they want, do what they want, when they want, what happens is the parent then has to modify the environment to accommodate the child. So um, an example would be, all right, you don't want to, you don't want to sleep in a bed that's okay. No worries. If you don't want to sleep in a bed, then you come and you come and sleep in mummy's bed. Okay. So rather than you telling the child, I want you to stay in, in, in their bed, the child does what they want. So you accommodate your life in your environment around the child. Another example might be, oh, okay. So you don't want to stop touching the Christmas ornaments on the tree. Okay. Well, mummy will take all the Christmas ornaments around from the bottom of the tree and put them higher so that you can't reach them. Can you see what I'm saying here? So it's like the parent modifies the environment or their own life so that the child can do whatever it is that they want. But there's a really big problem with this because now we no longer have a child who is required to think, act with self-control or have any kind of moral thought or moral um, learning This child is allowed to be controlled by their own passions and impulses. So they're not being taught moral thought. Now think about the long-term consequences of this. So today it might be me accommodating them by moving the Christmas tree decorations instead of teaching them not to touch. But three, four years later, there's going to be a problem when they're in prep and the teacher doesn't accommodate what the child wants. So a disciplined approach to parenting is a beautiful thing because it actually requires us to look at, take note of, and bring weight to and shape our child's moral heart. There's an old proverb that says foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Our role as a parent is to transform their heart from what it is to what it should be, from foolishness to wisdom, and a child can't do that on their own. So let's have a look at the difference between foolishness and childishness. This is a really important um, differentiation that we need to make in our child's behavior because it really determines how we discipline them. And again, this is something that I learned when my kids were young, and it really helped me to know how to and when to and when not to discipline my child over certain things. So when disciplining, we've got to keep in mind the difference between childishness and foolishness. Now, foolishness is any conscious act of willful disobedience. Okay, it's maliciously intended disobedience. For example, don't touch that. 
and then they touch it. Childishness, on the other hand, is innocent immaturity because of their age. So, for example, they might cuddle their baby sister too tight and the baby cries. Now, they're not being maliciously, you know, intending to hurt the baby. They're not being willful. That's just a childish mistake. Now, remember, there's a difference between these two. And every time your child does something, you need to say to yourself, is this foolish? Is this willfully disobedient? Or is this just childish immaturity? Now, both need correction but in two completely different ways. So one is more of a, um, you know, if it's childishness, then we just need to teach them patiently. But if there's foolishness or willful disobedience, then that needs more direct correcting. And I'm going to talk about how to do that next week. Okay. But remember today is all about first time obedience. So I'm going to say something that is probably going to shock you. And that is this. True obedience, this is a painful pill to swallow, but true obedience is often more difficult for us, the parent, than for the child. So why is that? Well, children will respond only to our parental resolve. They follow our lead. So this is why it's more difficult often for us, the parent, than for the child when it comes to disciplining, because we've got to have the guts and the grit and the determination to lead. The kids will just take our lead. We've got the harder job, which is to expect and follow through on obedience. But we find that hard as parents, and I get it. Oh my gosh, I remember the amount of times that I would find it so hard because there would be tears and complaints and whining and tantrums and all of those things can weaken our resolve. But we can't let those things manipulate us. Our children will respond to our level of resolve. So if we um, have a child that's just constantly, constantly being disobedient, um, then in the long run, that's actually our fault. And, And that takes a really, really good parent to say, I'm responsible for that. Now, let me give you a practical tip here. I used to say this to myself all the time to help me with my resolve because sometimes I'd find it so hard, particularly one of my kids that was so willful in trying to disobey me. And so I used to say in my head, self-talk all the time, I'm the boss, I'm the mum. I'm the boss, I'm the mum. Say it with me, unless you're the dad. I'm the dad. I'm the boss. I'm the dad. I'm the boss. I'm the mum. I was reminding myself, I'm the adult. I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to give up. I know that there is really good consequence at the end of this. There's going to be a really good payoff if I can do this. And if I ask for obedience, I'm the mum. I'm going to get it. The alternative is your child calls the shot. And then guess who the boss is? Not you. They are. All right, so when we give instruction, there are four things that we should expect, and I want these to be burned into your brain, okay? Every single time we give an instruction to our child, no matter what age they are, there are four things that we should expect. We have to teach them to obey us. Here's the four. Number one, immediately. Number two, completely. Number three, without challenge. And number four, without complaint. That is seems like an impossible task, 
but I'm telling you it's not. I've done it with all three of my kids. It took a lot of resolve and grits and guts and determination. Let me say it again. Let these burn into your brain. When you give your child an instruction, you should expect them to obey immediately, completely, without challenge and without complaint. So it's these four things that really explain what first-time obedience is. This is what it takes. This is what it looks like when your child learns to obey you with first-time obedience when you give an instruction because they'll obey you, I'll say it again, immediately, completely, without challenge and without complaint. Okay, and anything less than that is disobedience. I think I'll do a whole podcast just on why I never count to three, or maybe I'll say it here. The reason that I I have never, I did start off at first until I learned this principle of first-time obedience. If you start counting with your child, okay, I want you to pack up your blocks. Billy, I told you, pack up your blocks. Billy, pack up. One, two. What you're doing is you're giving your child three seconds and three counts to willfully disobey you. And so Cameron and I made a rule that we stopped counting. If we set it, we expected obedience immediately, completely without challenge and without complaint. Now, next week, I want to unpack that a little bit more because there's a lot of nuances around that. Um, You know, the child might be in the middle of playing um, with their blocks and you say to them, um, it's time to pack up and go to bed. You know, it's really hard for any person to be interrupted when they're fully enjoying something. So there, there are things that we should do as parents, and I'll explain that next week. Like, for example, you might give a warning so that the child has a bit of space to go, oh, okay, I've got five minutes left of play, and then I need to whatever mum has asked me to do. Um, so I want you to think about obedience and disobedience as moral acts, okay? They're not individual preferences, don't give your child a option to disobey you. And that's exactly what counting is. When you try and get your child to do something by counting, you're giving them an option to disobey you. You need to take away all options to disobey. So my kids are now 20, 17, and 15, and my boys tower over me. One of them is six foot three. And they honestly are the most delightful and respectful kids that we could ask for. But do you know why? We trained them when they were six and four and two. I often have people say to me, oh my gosh, Renee, I'm so nervous about the teenage years. How do I know if my kid, like how do, you know, how do I have a good kid when they're 13, 14, 15? I'm like, honestly, I'm telling you, if you discipline them properly and you get them to have respect and listen to you and obedience when they're two, three, and four, you will have minimal trouble with them when they're 12, 13, 14. So to this day, if we ask our kids to do something, they do it. And there's nothing stopping my six foot three child from obeying me except my word. Now, when I'm bigger than him and more menacing than him, and I can put on a grumpy face, you know, when he was two or three and I was the adult, I might have been able to manipulate him or scare him into obeying me, but that's not going to work when they're six foot three and they tower over you and they've got a car and car keys. And so the only thing that keeps my kids now obeying Cameron and I and respecting us is because we taught it to them when they were younger. So I want to encourage you, don't give up. It is so important. It does matter. So we can talk about the nuances later. 
So in the next podcast, I'll teach you how. But for now, let me just give you a couple of examples and then we'll finish up. So for example, you might ask your child, okay, it's bedtime, so it's time to brush your teeth. So what you expect your child to do is to comply with that immediately, fully, without challenge and complaint. So you expect your child to say, yes, mummy, and then go and brush their teeth. But if a child disobeys you on any one of those four, what might that look like? Well, you might say to them, go brush your teeth and they don't move and they keep playing. So they haven't obeyed you immediately. Or maybe they go and get their toothbrush, but then they walk back to the lounge to play with their toothbrush half out of their mouth. Well, in that case, they haven't obeyed you fully because they're still kind of doing what they want to do and they're not in the bathroom brushing their teeth. Or perhaps they're uh, flat out, they've ignored you. Well, in that case, then they're not um, obeying you without challenge. They're literally ignoring you. So they're challenging your, um, your instruction. Or maybe they start whining. I don't want to go. I don't want to go to bed. I don't want to brush my teeth. In that case, they haven't obeyed you without complaining. So any or all of those is disobedience. Okay, another one, you've got your toddler at the playground and you give them a warning that in five minutes time, it's going to be time to go. So in five minutes, mummy is going to ask you to come and hop into your pram and we're going to leave. Now, a child who's learned first time obedience, uh, when the five minutes is up and you call them, they come straight over hop in their pram, you put their seatbelt on and off you go. Now, a disobedient child might um, not obey you immediately because you ask them to come and they don't. Or perhaps they run away and you have to chase them. Or maybe when you tell them, they start to cry and say, I don't want to go. Or maybe they come over to the pram and they hop in, but they arch their back and won't let you put their belt on. Or maybe they throw themselves on the ground. Any of those is disobedience. So remember, how do we expect this first time obedience? We expect when we give instruction that they obey us immediately, completely, without challenge and without complaint. And that training starts really, really early. Like as soon as your child can start to comprehend what you're saying to them, that's when that training starts. Alrighty. So a final few thoughts um, that I know to be true about first time obedience, and this is why I persisted. Um, if you can't be bothered with these battles now, I guarantee that you will have bigger battles later on. So I know sometimes I used to think to myself, I'm going to win the battle. I'm going to win the battle. I'm going to win the battle. Because I knew that the little battles now when they were two and three really mattered. If you want a good kid at 14, discipline them at four. I think I said that before. Um, something else that I learned from my pastor back in Adelaide when, oh gosh, I remember this when I was younger, but I remember her saying, if your kids learn to listen and obey your voice, then one day they will listen to and obey God's voice. And that was another really important reason why Cameron and I taught our children to obey us and to listen to us because we wanted them when they got older to be trained to hear God's voice and to obey God's voice and what he wanted them to do with their life. So really it's training for that. Um, also another thought, disobedience is actually a moral issue. And if you allow it, you will reap the consequences and it doesn't matter what it is. The little things matter because when they get away, also when they get away with not obeying you, it actually eats away at your authority 
And then the final one, and I want to end with this story, is it actually first-time obedience could actually save their life. And this happened with one of our kids. When Georgia was, I think she would have been two, and I'm pretty sure Liam wasn't born yet from memory, but we went to Sydney. Oh, gosh, I don't even think she was two. She might have even been a bit younger. We went to Sydney to go and visit my dad, and Cameron and I parked on the other side of the road to where my dad's house was. And we had just got Georgia out of the car. And I think I was pulling a bag out of the car. And just, you know, kids can be so quick sometimes. But before I knew, and I remember she had a little dummy in her mouth. So maybe she was under two. And she started, she recognized my dad's house. And she started running across the road because she wanted to get to Pa's house. But there was a car coming. Honestly, my heart froze, but we had taught her first time obedience. And I must say, um, it is a lot easier with some kids than others. Georgia was very easy to teach first time obedience to one of my other kids. It took a lot longer and I'll share that next week. Um, but I remember I just yelled out, Georgia, stop. And because she had learned to obey my voice immediately, fully, completely without whinging, without complaining. Honestly, at the second I said stop, her whole body halted and she stopped about a meter away from the curb. And the car luckily saw her as well and slowed down. But I just remember thinking at that moment, I am so glad that I'm teaching my kid first time obedience because it actually saved her life that day. She, If she had learned mummy's not serious, when mummy asks me an instruction, it doesn't matter whether I do it or not, she would have kept going across the road. She could have got hit by the car. But she had learned that when mummy says something, when daddy says something, we obey immediately, completely, without complaining, without question without challenging. And so I was really glad. So I just want to encourage you. I know that it's a really hard thing to do and I will share more about that next week, but just keep thinking to yourself, first time obedience is my aim. First time obedience. I'm the mum. I'm the dad. I'm the boss. All right. Be blessed. I hope that that helped you a little bit. Please message me if you have any questions, um, but I will definitely chat more about it. And I can't wait to be with you again on Wednesday for our leadership podcast. See you later.